You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. So excited to see y'all here on Palm Sunday. For me, growing up, Palm Sunday was something I participated in and, and had a, an understanding to an extent of what it was. Um, you know, so like, I, would, I know that every single year uh, we'd be, you know, before Easter and we'd give up stuff for Lent and, uh, you know, we'd, I'd go without like chocolate or something or I don't know what. And then um, the Sunday before Easter, they would, I'd be walking into church and they'd like hand me a palm. I'm like, okay, cool, this is awesome. And, you know, I'd play with it throughout the service and, and all that. And then... Um, I didn't really fully like get why I had a palm in my hand or um, exactly what was going on or, or, you know, I mean, I knew that the palms were like this cool thing that these dudes would like tie into crosses and stuff and that was awesome. Um, but like, I didn't fully get why we were there and uh, what the palm was for and just, I, I wasn't fully understanding it uh, probably because I was playing with the palm during the service. So for those parents, like, I want you to know that kids weren't paying attention far before smartphones showed up, all right? Because um, I'm one of the kids. So for some of you, uh, you might be in that same position. You might have grown up going to church, holding it in your hand, taking it on, on this Sunday, but never fully getting what Palm Sunday was all about. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe there's like, I'm sure there's a handful of you that already leaned over and you're like, hey, I totally know what Palm Sunday is about, so I'm going to tune out for the next 30 minutes. Okay, cool, thanks. Uh, that, that's, that's okay, too. Or maybe don't tune out, but, you know, stay here. Or maybe you're like, this is your first time at church, and you're like, dude, I don't even know what the, why you guys have music or anything like that. Forget palms. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm at. Um, or maybe, like, you know, because your buddy, like, was like, hey, man, you, you want to show up? Uh, afterwards, we can get some mimosas or get like some margaritas, and all you got to do is come to church. So if, if, you, if your buddy did that, make them pay for lunch, okay? Like that's, that's part of the, the deal. Um, or maybe it's like you showed up because you're dating this person and they're like super attractive, but they're like into church, so you're just like, okay, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to church with, with you. No matter who you are, no matter where you land on the spectrum, I think there's a good chance that you can pick up a lot today because what I want to do is I want to walk through what Palm Sunday is and why it's important. So let's start and let's just read the story. Let's start in the scripture in Matthew 21. There it says, when they had approached Jerusalem and come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and with a, a colt with her. Unite them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them. And he being Jesus, sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds were going ahead of them, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So that's the story right there. That's Palm Sunday, 11 verses in the Bible. That's what the whole reason that we're here, and that's why we're doing what we're doing today. That's what we call today Palm Sunday. Um, but what we're doing is we're not seeing the full story. That's a great thing, and that's a cool thing to see, but we're not seeing the full 
context of where this lies. And so uh, here at City Church, when we're going through and we're studying through scripture, and uh, especially for the folks that come up here and like present sermons, uh, we have a saying that's uh, context is king which means if you don't fully grasp the context of what you're teaching, then you can't rightfully teach on what you have going on. So what I wanna do is I wanna give you guys the full context of what's going on today. So let's say it's like if you see a forest but you only fixate on one tree, you're not gonna know what the rest of the forest is, ha is going on there. Um, or it's like this. It's like if I just told you the punchline of a joke but I didn't give you the full setup of that joke. Um, so here, let's just try it, just, just so we can do that. Uh, I'm gonna give you the punchline of a joke and just the punchline of a joke, okay? So here's the punchline. Get out of my fort. Yeah, I got one pity laugh, thank you. Somebody can't handle awkward silence in the room, that's great. Um, but that's, that's the idea. When you just give the punchline, you don't, give the, you don't get the full thing. So let, let, let's go ahead and do this whole, this, all the way. I'm gonna give you the full joke. I'm gonna tell you the full joke. And then at the end, I'm gonna point to you and you guys are gonna yell back to me the punchline, which was, get out of my fort. We're gonna try it one time, okay? We're gonna practice. You guys ready? Okay, one, two, three. You're lacking passion, guys. This is a this is a fiery, get out of my fort. We're gonna try it one more time. You guys in the cafe, watching online, I need that fire too. Okay, you guys ready? One, two, three. Get out of my fort. Okay, cool. So here's the joke. Here's the setup. So the other day, I'm hanging out in my living room, just kind of doing my own thing, and my wife walks into the room, and she looks at me like I'm crazy, right? She comes and sits down next to me and gives me one of those like giant eye rolls, right? Which I get way too often in my house. Then she, <sighs> and says, you are totally immature. So I told her, get out of my fort. Get out of it. If you're too mature, don't be sitting in my fort, okay? <laughs> so this is the idea of getting the full context of the story. It makes it rich and you understand it fully and you understand the importance of why at the end I said, get out of my fort. And that's what I wanna do for you guys with the story of Palm Sunday. And the easiest way for me to do that for you guys is to break it down into four components. So if you only remember one thing about today, I want you to remember this thing that they have up on the screen. It's the four components of Palm Sunday are promise, the promise, the Passover, the predictions, and all three of those things lead to the palms. So let's start at the beginning. That's normally where I like to start is at the beginning with the promise. You see, it's a promise that is made in the Old Testament to the character Abram. You see, Abram and his wife couldn't have children. So what they did, him and his wife, Sarah, they prayed and they prayed and prayed to God that Sarah would have a son. And sure enough, God answered his prayer. And let's take a look at the story here in Genesis 17 when God is speaking to Abram. There it says, this is my covenant to you. 
I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more is I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Awesome, right? Fantastic. So Abraham and his wife are going to get a son, but not only are they going to get a son, but they're going to get an entire many, many nations and even kings that come from their, from their descendants. So we'll look at the next piece of scripture uh, that God, the next thing that God has to tell Abraham. He says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. So Abraham will have an insane amount, like nations upon nations upon nations. I mean, how many of y'all have ever been to the beach, right? Like that sand, you can't get it off of you when you leave. It's everywhere. That's how many descendants that Abraham will have. Not only that, Doug talked about this covenant last week. Remember, God entered into a covenant with Abraham. And what ended up happening is, that, well, this is the covenant. So when they enter into a covenant, both sides have to guarantee that they're going to hold up their end of the bargain. But what God did is he made Abram, Abraham fall asleep. And God said, I'm going to guarantee both sides of this covenant. It's like if he entered into a loan, right? Like Abraham's like, hey, I'm going to take a loan out from you, God. And God said, okay, cool. I'm going to give you the money and I'm going to be the co-signer on this loan. So if you can't fulfill it, it's actually going to be me that pays up for you in the end. So that's exactly what's happening here. Just an incredible act of grace by God. So what does this promise have to do with Palm Sunday? What does this promise have to do with all of you sitting here right now? Well, I'll break it down for you here in a few minutes. But for now, let's look at Passover. So we'll fast forward generations and generations uh, past Abraham and his descendants. Uh, they're calling them the Israelites. And many, many generations have gone by, and the Israelites find themselves captured and enslaved by the nation of Egypt. But remember, they weren't supposed to end up in Egypt. Where they're supposed to end up is in this land that was promised to them, Canaan. So God is going to use this guy named Moses to talk with the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let all of these Israelites go. But you see, the Pharaoh is not having it at all. He's not going to do that because he's getting all kinds of free slave labor. He's getting all kinds of great work. It's helping out their economy. It's nothing but good for Egypt for them to hold on to the Israelites. So here's what God does. To convince Pharaoh to let the people go, he unleashes plagues. He unleashes nine of them. And after each plague, Pharaoh's heart has been hardened. So he's like, no, no, I'm good. I don't care what's falling from the sky. I don't care what's going on. I'm not letting these people go. So there's one last plague that God has up his sleeve and he's gonna unleash on Egypt. It's called the plague of the firstborn, where basically each and every first son of every single Egyptian will be struck down unless their family slaughters a young, innocent and blameless lamb in a very, very detailed way. Like they, they have it all lined up. There's special clothes, there's special ways that you slaughter it. It's a whole thing. Then after you do that, 
the blood of the lamb must be spread on the top and both sides of your front door. So let's read on and see in Exodus 12, we'll see God uh, talking here. So there it says, on that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are saying, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So it's shortly after this plague comes through Egypt that the people of Israel are allowed to leave and go find that promised land, go back to Canaan, just like that. And each year after that, the people of Israel or the people of Jewish faith celebrate Passover. They celebrate this thing. And it's a huge deal within their faith. It's about as big as Easter or Christmas. It's one of the days that is circled on their calendar. So I'm sure you're saying, cool. I know why my Jewish friends celebrate Passover now. That's awesome. But what does that have to do with me, what does that have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, I'll break that down for you in a few minutes. But for now, let's look at the predictions. You see, in the Old Testament, there are 17 books of prophecy. Basically, there are 17 books where God sent a message down to someone called a prophet. And he got the message and then shared it with the people that it needed to be shared with. Then they wrote all these things down, kept it in a book of the Old Testament. Now, in these books, these prophets, more than 350 times throughout their, their different books, they refer to a savior or a new king that would come to the people of Israel and save them. And one of these predictions or prophecies is that this savior or king would come from the bloodline of David, the most famous king of Israel, and someone the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. Now that prophecy alone, just that idea that the, the king is gonna come from David's bloodline is brought up more than 30 times across a handful of different prophets. So let's take a look at one of the times that it comes up in the scripture there in the book of Jeremiah. There in Jeremiah 23 it says, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. So that's one of the predictions about who this new king of Israel would be. And there's also one more prediction that I want to talk to you guys about. And it comes from Zechariah, who is uh, prophesying, who is making these predictions, hearing these words from God and talking about them uh, at about 700 BC. And uh, this is what he says here in Zechariah 9. It says, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey riding on a donkey's colt. So there are a few things that you can take from these predictions. The first one is that this new king is going to be righteous and humble. He's gonna ride into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt and he will 
be received by shouts of the people of Jerusalem. And of course, like I said, he's going to be a direct descendant of David. Now, I'm sure some of you are like, okay, cool, prophecy's awesome, I get it, whatever. What does that have to do with me? What does that have to fully do with Palm Sunday? Well, I'll break it down for you right now. Let's figure it out, okay? So let's go back to where we started. We'll go back into the scripture in Matthew 22, the Palm Sunday scripture, that story. There it says, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage and the Mount of Olives, and we'll stop right there. So we're just a few words into it, and I've already got some good context to share with you. So here's the reason that they're going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the head city, the, the capital of Israel. So this is where the most uh, Israelites would be. This is the, the main hub. So you know what they would do every single year? They had a massive, ridiculous Passover festival. So if you were an Israelite, if you were of the Jewish faith, you would show up to Jerusalem because they were having the party of all parties going down to celebrate Passover. It's like the Israelite version of Fiesta, but with like way less chicken on a stick. <laughs> so that's what's happening there. Let's take a look. Let's continue into the story. There in Matthew 22, it says, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and land their coats and laid their coats on them and he being Jesus sat on the coats most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road so here is the prediction right we read that prophecy we read that prediction it's coming true right here there is Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey he didn't come in on a chariot he didn't come in on this great majestic like beautiful horse, like most kings would enter a city. No, he came in in the most humble way possible, riding a donkey, an animal that works for other people and only knows struggle, and that's about it. He wanted to come in in the most humble way possible. Now, the other part of the, about this section is how people were cutting off the branches. The branches they were cutting down, they're, they're palm branches. They're palm leaves, exactly like the ones you guys were handed as you walked in today. That's what they were throwing. That's what they had. And here's why they would do that. Here's why these palms were so important to these people. What they were, oh, okay, so at that point, Jerusalem is actually under occupation. They're actually being ruled by the Roman Empire. So when the Roman Empire would come in, they would only allow you to fly one flag, the flag of the Romans. So it didn't matter where they were at. It didn't matter if Israel had its own flag. They didn't care. They're ruled by the Romans. And people would be punished if they saw flags. So here's what the Israelites would do. Instead of flying a flag, instead of waving flags, they would wave palms. That was their signal to everybody else that they belonged to the nation of Israel, that they were 
descendants, that that's what they were. So um, there's that side of it. That's why they would have these branches. And the other thing I want to add is this crowd, it wasn't like 10 or 15 people. It wasn't a handful of people. Think like hundreds, maybe even thousands of people running up to Jesus. Because here's the thing, Jesus had become, Jesus like full rock star. If you were in Israel, you had heard the name Jesus before because he was out there. He had miracles happening. He was healing people. He was rising people from the dead. So as soon as people started hearing the name Jesus, they're like, oh, dude, Jesus, I got to go check this out. And the crowds just started coming and surrounding him, and they were shouting. It would be like if Kawhi Leonard showed up in the middle of Nyosa, man, you would see people like, yo, Kawhi, yeah, yeah, go Spurs, go, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Spurs are also somebody that needs a savior right now. I'm a Spurs fan, so I can say that. I know. They're not going to do anything without Kawhi there. But here's the thing. They would go nuts if Kawhi showed up to Nyosa. And that's exactly what's happening in Jerusalem. These people are going crazy for Jesus showing up and being among them. So let's finish this up. The crowd's going ahead of them, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna the son, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And this is my favorite part of this piece of scripture. The word Hosanna, you guys may have heard it sometimes before. It's a Greek word that was actually translated from a Hebrew word. And what it literally means when you literally translate it, the, the Hebrew word is yashana. And the translation of it literally means, save us, we pray. So what these people, what the Israelites, what the people, the Jewish faith are saying to Jesus as he walks in is they are saying, save us, we pray, to the son of David. So Jesus is called the son of David. Remember we talked about David just a few minutes ago, the great king of Israel, the one that is called a man after God's own heart. We heard that prediction that he's gonna come, this king's gonna come from that bloodline. And when you look in the New Testament, they do a full genealogy of Jesus. They trace back every single person that goes all the way back, 32 generations of Jesus' family, and they look at what it says there in Matthew 1.1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. So not only is Jesus a descendant of David, but both David and Jesus are direct descendants of Abraham, which means when God made that promise, when God made that covenant with Abraham all those thousands and thousands of years before that, it was coming true as Jesus was walking or riding a donkey into Israel. The prophecy was coming true right there. So here's the other piece of context that you guys got to understand about this. As the people of Israel ran up, they were running up on Jesus saying, save us, we pray to David, to the son of David, save us, save us, save us. They weren't doing it because they knew he was a great rabbi or a great spiritual leader. What they were doing is going up to him and asking him to save him because they thought Jesus was coming to save them through an act of war that he was gonna come in and kick the Romans out. That's what they were so excited about. They thought their freedom was gonna be from the Roman Empire. 
But that's not why Jesus came into Jerusalem that day. Jesus was coming in to save them. That was right. But it wasn't going to be the way they thought it would happen. He was going to save them in a better way. He was going to save them in an eternal way. You see, as Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he knew he was walking in to his death. He knew that he would be handing over his life a very short time later. The Son of God, the Almighty, walking around blamelessly, the only person to walk this earth without sin, was going to give up his life. And it's through his death that he was going to serve as the perfect, blameless, and innocent lamb. Remember Passover? God placed judgment over the Egyptians that didn't have the blood of the lamb on their house. Well, as Jesus is walking in, his sacrifice, that's what he's doing. He's becoming that lamb. He's becoming the sacrifice. So when the day comes, when God is opening up his judgment on the world, when he is looking at your life and seeing if there's sin or not, basically seeing if you're gonna go to hell or you're going to heaven and you're gonna stay with him, all he sees is the blood of the lamb spread on you. All he sees is Jesus' sacrifice standing in between you and that wrath. You see, it's through that It's because of Jesus that God's wrath will pass over you. And he will accept you into his family. You will become one of the descendants of Abraham. You see, when God made that promise to Abraham all those thousands of years ago, he did it so you could be a part of that family. So you could inherit the things that God had laid out for you. So you could be one of those stars in the sky, so you could be some of the sand on the beach that he was talking about. And to be part of this family, it's so simple, guys. All you have to do is simply believe that Jesus died for you. That when he went up there on that cross, that when he handed over his life, it was so you could be one of those beautiful, twinkling stars in the sky. It says it like this in the book of Ephesians. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good, the good things he planned for us long ago. So let me submit this idea to you guys. God wanted you to be a part of his family. He wanted you to be a part of his family thousands and thousands of years ago. And he's literally spent all those thousands of years setting up the perfect plan for you, the perfect way for you to become a part of his family And he's done all of this because he loves you. He wants to spend an eternity with you. That's why he did all of these things. 
And it's like the scripture says, all you have to do to receive this is simply believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. It's not about how many good things you've done. It's not about how many pairs of jeans or underwear you're going to bring to Easter next week. It's not about how many times you've shown up to church and you've done the right things and you've waved your palm in the air if you can tie it into a cross or not. It's not about any of those things. The only thing that matters is Christ's sacrifice and you believing in it. So if you have never done that, if you've never made that statement in your heart or you've never like done that in your head, I want to give you guys an opportunity to do that right now. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Now, if you want to be a part of this family, if you want to be a part of these descendants that reach back to Jesus, to David, and all the way back to Abraham, I want you to pray something like this between you and God. Father, thank you for chasing after me. Thank you for devising a plan to let me in to your family. Thank you for chasing after me before I was ever born, before I ever stepped foot on this earth. God, I want to be a part of your family. I wanted to spend an eternity with you. So right here, right now, I want you to know that I believe that your son Jesus died for me. I believe that he was the lamb that was sacrificed for my sin. And Father, the best way I know how, I will follow you. Thank you for everything. So just keep your heads bowed. Now for the rest of us in here, if you just prayed that prayer or you prayed that prayer years and years ago and you need help, and you're yelling out, Hosanna, save us, God. I want you to pray that just right now. Pray this to, just to God. Just say, Hosanna, God. Hosanna. I need you to do something in my life because I'm not big enough to do it all by myself. Save me from what is in front of me, Father. Amen. So guys, I want you to have a chance to shout that out. I want you to have a chance to shout that out just in the same way that that crowd in Jerusalem did. As Jesus was walking by and they were shouting out, Hosanna! Over dozens and dozens and dozens of people just hoping that Jesus would hear them. I want you to do that. And as you do that, what I want you to do is I want you to pull out this palm, this palm branch, this palm leaf, and I want you to hold it up. And this is gonna be a representation that you are in fact a part of that family, a part of those nations that God promised to Abraham so long ago. I want you to hold it in the air as a representation that you are a part of the family of Jesus, that you are no longer strangers, you are no longer foreigners. You are part of the nation of God. You are members of God's family. So as the band plays, I want you to sing 
the words out with everything you got. And I want you to wave those palms in the air. God has called you to be a part of his family. You are his masterpiece. You're the one that he's chased after, after for thousands and thousands of years. So I want all of you to stand as we start to worship. And I want you to be able to shout out Hosanna in the highest. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everything. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for Abraham. We thank you for David. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.